is Shell Sorrow and this is Fire and Soul, a community where awakening leaders and truth seekers gather to unite in sovereignty in today's triggered world. Featuring courageous and compassionate conversations, Fire and Soul will help you reclaim sovereignty in life, love, and leadership. Let's listen, learn, and stand together as models for our new world, starting now. Hello, beautiful Fire and Soul community, you awakening angels, truth seekers, visionary leaders, and change makers. There's so many more things that I could say about you. It's incredible what is happening with this community. We are on target to 4X our downloads, which means that many more people are listening around the world. And it's never, ever lost on me that you take the time to tune in, to share with friends, and to even leave reviews. I'm going to read one right now that just came in yesterday from Simsy724 on Apple Podcasts. She says, with every podcast, I think Michelle is going to have a tough time topping this one. However, each new podcast is so powerful and empowering. She was awakened on purpose with a purpose. It feels like she is talking directly to your soul. It's a podcast that I can't wait until the next one is released. Thank you, Michelle, for being awake and brave and sharing your enlightenment and calls to action with the rest of us. May God continue to bless your journey and our collective journey. Thank you so much for that beautiful heartfelt share and review on Apple Podcasts. It is heart received. Now, if you are brand new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are so very loved and appreciated. And I encourage you to download a few episodes and take a listen. And if you feel moved, leave a review as well. And if you've been listening to the show a while, well, Lord knows it is time to please head on over to Apple and leave a review of your own. It's how we grow this movement and it's how we help to heal so many people that feel alone in this time. But make no mistake, the mass awakening is real and it is upon us. So let's band together in our love, light, and unity. Speaking of, today's conversation is going to tap you into your holy maturity to be able to navigate this time with less triggers and activations, more sovereign responsibility, and an awareness around you can stay fully and wholly embodied throughout this time together for however long that may be, probably the rest of our lives. Miss Luna Battaglia is someone that I had the honor of getting to know through Ruby Freeman, who was a recent guest on this podcast, uh, a very popular episode called Uncompromising Potency, if you want to head back over there and listen. And I just love what she was sharing on Instagram. And then I went to her website and I was like, this woman is speaking my soul language. And I'm just so honored to bring her to you today. So where do we go in this conversation? Well, it's all around holy maturity, devotional leadership, and really sowing sovereignty. But in some specific nuances, she shares very honestly uh, about her divorce uh, that was part of her awakening journey and still continues to be her recent move from the Southern California area to Austin, Texas. Uh, various initiations into our holy maturity that are really real life examples of how we can lead from our whole hearts. And then ultimately what it means to honor what once was, i.e. 3D programming patterns, old behaviors, relationships, friendships, work relationships, all of that, right? And really sit with the dignity and the reverence of what once was and what's birthing through and where we are now and where we consciously want to choose to go. This conversation is powerful and empowering to use the words of that beautiful review earlier. Let me give a brief bio on Miss Luna. She's a transformational leadership mentor with a master's degree in spiritual psychology and the creator of the Alignment Code and the Self-Initiation Deck. 
She wholeheartedly believes that what you birth, births you. Her work supports founders and entrepreneurs in leading legacy, leaving lives, families, communities, and organizations through becoming the version of themselves that's needed to execute their vision with integrity. Over the last decade, she's assisted thousands of visionaries through one-on-one mentorships, online group programs, in-person workshops, and transformational retreats to cultivate unshakable confidence and contribute to a collective legacy we can all be proud of. I am honored by this conversation, so without further ado, my friends, please enjoy Holy Maturity with Luna Battaglia. Honor to have you on Fire and Soul. Welcome to the community that I feel like is also your community, but we're finally meeting within the community. Such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you and your listeners and see what unfolds today. Exactly. That's the whole thing. You know, we were just chatting behind the scenes and it's like, do we really know where we're going to flow? We're like, no, let's just flow. Isn't that what this time is all about? Seriously. Yeah. yeah, so I just want to quickly give my listeners just a brief um, snapshot about how I came across you. It was through Ruby yeah. Freeman, who was just recently on the podcast with an episode titled Uncompromising Potency, and it was a huge download, mm-hmm. a lot of snagging of the souls on that conversation, not surprised. And uh, so I have been following her for about six months, her podcast, her book, Potent Leadership, Uh, obviously her beautiful content on the gram and uh, and so you know over time you start to see who people are connected with and who they might be sharing you know stories from and and it was recently where Ruby was taking a bath and she was just like an image of her legs propped up on the bath and she just added a little caption and she basically it was I'm paraphrasing it was like thank you Luna Love Leadership which was your handle on Instagram for holding my grief and rage today. And I was like, okay, (laughs) Ruby Freeman is about as intense as I am, or maybe more, haven't met (laughs) yet. Someone can hold Ruby Freeman's grief and rage, and she's going to express her gratitude for this person in her stories. I need to know who that person is. And so I came across you and then you messaged me like, hey, I saw that, you know, Ruby's on your podcast. And I was like, She was, would you like to be on my show? So I just feel like this was grace unfolding. So I just wanted you to have that perspective that that was, you know, listen, following those nudges is key right now. It opens up the gateway to so the portal to so much beautiful possible connection and potency. Yeah, I love Ruby. She's a dear sister and we've been in each other's orbits for a while and in moving to Austin have become really great sisters not just like oh I follow you on Instagram and you're cool and we do similar things but like let's dive deep and be like share share life together and share community and all the things and it's funny because when you when you're interested in someone it's also like looking at who's in their orbit and then we we are magnetizing each other and and connecting in these beautiful ways and it's just so I love the way that serendipity works and I trust it implicitly that it's guiding me somewhere that is beyond what I could have chosen for myself, that all I have to do is kind of meet the moment and say yes and show up fully. And when I do that, the most amazing things happen when I forget to do do that and I'm on my agenda, like hyper-focused on something, I miss some of the magic that might be happening. Couldn't agree more. Beautifully said. Um, all right, you just said that when you moved to Austin, then you deepen your connection with Ruby. I thought I was moving to Austin this spring, a launch that went very sideways, but it was a gift. Of course, now I can look back in hindsight. It was like, nope, you're staying put in the LA area, probably through fall. Um, but my listeners know it's been a bit of a journey because that's what seems to be calling me, but who knows? Um, but so where were you before? And then I'd love to hear about that journey into Austin. And then if you can, let's dovetail into what your awakening looked, felt like, is like, anything you want to share around it. Yeah. I came from Ojai, California, which is a magical, magical valley. Um, yes. One of the few valleys that run, I think most valleys run east to west and it runs north to south and that could be opposite. I can't remember, but 
it's just such a special place. And I went back recently and mm. it's just like a big bowl, the pink Topatopa Mountains just surrounding it. And it feels like you're just being held. It feels like a big ama hug <laughs> when you're there on the land. And um, it's been a little like a, maybe a year and a half or so since I've been here. Okay. Fresh. And that's been a whole big journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, my awakening journey feels like a big part of my younger years, but it's actually so much about what's happening now. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll go backwards in time. Yeah, please um, do. I moved to Austin with my former husband and we bought a house together here and we're like growing our family and life is like community in Austin and new cha new chapter. And then six months into being here, we divorced, we started to dissolve our marriage and um, the grief period over the last nine months has been such a beautifully profound time of awakening a deeper layer of congruency and alignment and intimacy with myself mm. in all the work that I've done over all the years. There's, it's not like I have the approach of like, oh, I thought I was done with that. I can't believe that's still coming up. Like I've I've gone past that knowing that the layers continue to come and like, maybe they'll stop one day. I'm open to that. But um, just like the next layer of the onion that arose is really about my, so many things, but mm. my deep trust in God mm. and that relationship guiding my life and how much the, the masculine and trust and uh, dad and husband and all these things have like revealed themselves um, to show me where I can, where, where I'm participating in separateness mm -hmm. and power dynamics and mistrust and mm -hmm. how that's affecting my life and where there's space for more union, more trust, more love, more being met by people who want that same level of depth and have the willingness and the capacity to go there. Yes. And I've really grown in my ability to ask for help this year. Mm. Um, mm. We mentioned like Ruby and you and myself, I'm gonna throw myself into that bucket of being like quite intense people. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm, you know, I'm a million things that, that create intensity culturally, Sicilian, just like throw all of the, like New Yorker, like all the things and you have like an intense person mm -hmm. and not everybody necessarily experiences me that way. But then when you get to know me, it's like, that's a lot of energy in a little body. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. And so it's, it's for me, like refining that and knowing how to go into those spaces that I'm so fluent and equipped in without mm -hmm. and that I help other people go into without mm -hmm. losing myself yes yeah. and that's you know my journey has been very much shaped by grief this mm -hmm. this loss of this marriage and family and identity over the last nine months has been like a core theme in my life mm -hmm. of my parents separating when I was younger, my dad not being a big part of my life. My mom died when I was 13 after being sick with cancer and chemotherapy for a number of years. And just a number of things that created loss and grief that I didn't have the tools or the support team in my youth to deal with and became really adopted this like hard shell. Mm. I call it the peas, like the pretty popular promiscuous party girl mm -hmm. was like the mask that I wore to avoid having to look at those feelings and feel that pain. And I lived that life that I lived the version of that young woman for so long until I had lost myself and was in so much pain from the separation from myself that my awakening came through the grief of that. Mm. And came through um, feeling life giving me opportunities, like having these little awakenings, but then not doing anything about them, like thinking that the awakening was enough without any aligned action. Oh, <laughs> making my life. Yeah. yeah. So, like having those moments in life where you're like, oh, 
this is what it's all about. This is the love that we all want to experience. Like I'm here. I had this awakening moment. And then just thinking that's going to continue on its own without Mm. necessarily changing my life, changing my friend group, changing my thoughts, changing my patterns, and then being depressed from having that high and Mm. then being like, oh, life isn't really like that. Like, you know, that, that come down of like, oh, that's maybe unrealistic to think that life could be like that all the time. And like feeling it and knowing it's a potential, but then not experiencing it in my life. That was a big part of my journey in my twenties that I was having these awakenings. I was, I was having spiritual experiences. I was, and then eventually I was like, oh, I have to do something. I have, I have to change my life. I have to change my choices. I have to change my living situation, partner, friend group, music choices, like relationships with all these things that I had to, to do. And I did that. And then the next initiation happened and I did that. And then this one's happening and I'm like, okay, this is, to me, it's the accepting of the initiation that births me into my next incarnation of maturity. And those are Mm -hmm. steps right? Like I'm, I'm aging, I'm growing, I'm in the very, very precipice of my midlife, just crossing that entrance into my late thirties and like, oh, like there's going to be so many more initiations in this life. And I'm going to prepare myself to meet those by how I meet the one right in front of me. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Did you also, by the way, change the way that you dress? Did that evolve? So this is a funny story. So I was like, I'm in the middle of that. That's why I ask in my listeners, oh, no, be good no idea how to dress. Nothing seems to be me in the closet, but I don't know what is emerging. So I'm in this beauty of the undoing. So I'd love to hear your story. My closet is very eclectic and always has been. And mm. so I'm very much like, how do I feel in this moment? How do I feel today? And like my, my dress has changed because I'm really into um, sustainable fabrics and fibers and natural dyes and things like that so there is a certain thing that happens when you get rid of all the like acrylic and poly blends in your closet (laughs) but but when I was kind of awakening I've all so I was a New York City fashion designer hanging out with like magazine editors and photographers and models and like fashion people that was my world (laughs) and my life for a long time and then I was awakening and I I basically quit fashion and lived for about two years by selling my closet consignment. So like six Chanel blue clay jackets, like funded my yoga teacher training and my Reiki training and like going into healing arts. And so I swung the pendulum from like high fashion pumps, like fur coats and all these things to like hippie traveling California coast, no shoes, Vibram, you know, I like swung the pendulum and then I finally like found my way to the middle where I get to be all the things and yes. I think my style, my like archetype style is like sexy, sophisticated. That's like my vibe. Um, that's how I dress. That's how I've even as a little kid, like I worked yeah. in fashion since I was 13 and I always kind of dressed mature high fashion but not you know um but still like playful and and feminine and it's yeah it's so fun but like I love my leather jackets and my boots and I'm I'm a big like how do I feel in this moment what wants to be expressed and how, how does my how does the art that I wear on my body which is what I consider clothes like some people hang art on the wall some people hang art on their body like what is it saying what is the mood that it's you know what's the vibe <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. I don't really experience that on the daily about, because I'm just kind of looking at my closet and I'm like, oh, none of that. And still none of that, but everything, like I said, is emerging. But today for the first time since, let's see, when is the last time I put a temporary tattoo, gold metallic, by the way, it's like a little headband on. I can't, oh, it was my birthday. I had a birthday last summer and uh, at a beautiful park in Santa Monica and all my friends came in. So we were all putting those little temporary tattoos. But today I was just feeling myself right and you and I were chatting before I hit record and it's like you said how's your morning I'm like 
beautiful, right? Like I just woke up embodying this divine feminine femininity that I don't remember experiencing sober and at 6.30 a.m., right? In a long time, if ever. So um, so the, the temporary tattoo is called. So maybe that is beginning to happen for me. All right, I wanted to circle back to the move to Austin. So yeah. what made your then husband and you leave the LA area and go to Austin? What was that lore? It was a number of things. We had, he had some family here. And so we had grown up coming here. We had traveled here kind of annually for the, you know, five years um, that we had been together before that point. So we had come here, we had friends here. We had a lot of friends from California moving here. We weren't stoked on how California was handling the pandemic. We wanted to buy something eventually and couldn't afford where we were in Ojai to buy mm -hmm. a shed. <laughs> um, you know, one bedroom apartment there is now like, and it's like a shed. And it's like over 3K a month just for oh, yeah. a tiny shed. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's really yeah, changing. Yeah, we needed more space as renters. And we were like, well, we could rent and pay like, you know, three, $4,000 to rent something that's suitable for our needs. Or we could buy something and have our mortgage be half of that. Oh, beautiful. Okay, got it. Although Change. I know you are. Yeah, I love it. Change, new season. Although it is kind of interesting and fascinating to me. I don't know if you're willing to share, but I have a feeling there are a lot of people listening that are experiencing something similar, which is that lack of alignment inside your relationship with your husband. You were with him for five years, you said, before you even moved to Ojai. How long were you married? And when did you know this is actually no longer in alignment? And how so, did that come about? Anything that you feel free to share? Yeah, great questions. Um, my intention is to always communicate about this relationship in a generative way. Mm -hmm. um, even though there's like pain and hurt and um, feelings that we probably both have of being unmet in different ways, there's also a lot of love in which I hope to, sh when I share publicly about the relationship, like do that, do that love that we shared honor and justice. And, and also like be honest about my experience and like how to hold both of those at the same time. So that's my intention and like, we'll see <laughs> what happens. Um, I always had red flags mm -hmm. and we were together total about six and a half years. We were married for about three and a half. Um, we there was so much love. We were great companions. Mm. We're great friends. Mm. And there were these things about like responsibility and adulthood and householding. And like, as the responsibilities grew, there was less, um, the, the youth of our relationship was like fun and travel and like excitement and newness and honeymoon and like all that energy of just not having a lot of responsibilities and a lot of like travel and play and as more responsibilities came I my partner was seven years younger than me mm -hmm. so we're, we're in different places in our lives but I think that we I thought we had the same vision for our lives because of what was what I was being told mm -hmm. and I think he subscribed to my vision instead of communicating his own because mm -hmm. one he wasn't he didn't know what that was for himself and wasn't connected to himself in a way where he could say, oh, is, is that what I really want? Mm. And, and that if he did, he might lose me. And so he just avoided that. Mm. And um, I had those red flags and it was the first time in my entire life that I had ever felt unconditionally loved. Ooh, and so, mm. right. So even though I had red flags and even though there were things that my intuition that I would voice to him and my voicing those made him feel like I wasn't all in and I can mm -hmm. you know understand that, that pain for him mm -hmm. but my intuition was telling me there are things that are not aligned that like I'm seeing like as a seer I'm having mm -hmm. visions I'm having things I'm having dreams I'm having intuitions that are telling me these really unpleasant things are going to happen between us we should mm -hmm. look at that mm -hmm. and like you know, through our engagement period, 
communicate like communicating a lot of those because I think that's a really important time to communicate those things Mm. and being like all the reinforcement instead of curiosity instead of like huh I wonder what she's saying I wonder why she's saying this just the attempt to try to make me feel loved and safe and like that's never gonna happen you have nothing to worry about these you know we're gonna you know this love where our willingness and and I think we needed more curiosity around those little nudges that I was getting and to explore those together. Mm-hmm. And I think that it kind of got approached as like, oh, these are Luna's fears because of her history and trauma. And so let me just quell those fears by like telling her how loved she is. Mm-hmm. And so and then me, that would be really seductive for you, right? Because of the right. trauma and all of that in the past. Oh, wait, maybe, you know, it's like, and it gets a little confusing to even know if the intuition is actually accurate, right? Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Mm, this is such a powerful teaching. It is. It's it's been Mm. phenomenal for me on the going through it. And on the other side, there's, um, so with all the little like red flags, I also was like, I've never felt so loved in my whole life. Am I really going to say no to this? So I kept mm. saying yes, but those things like we are, our personalities, our archetypes, our cultural backgrounds, all these things create the opposite effect where I'm a leaner inner and he's a leaner outer. So I always want more feedback and he always wants less feedback and I'm intense and he's not intense as intense as I would like someone, you know, to be. And so that created this dynamic of always like, one, wanting the other person to be different, which sucks for a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and really it was like when we started to have more responsibilities and then we were trying to like have kids, I started to get really clear about, I feel alone, I feel unmet. I don't feel like my partner is participating. I've communicated this a number of times. We're about to have, you know, potentially get pregnant. Like, do I, am I? this feeling of being unmet and alone is only going to, I could see it only being twice as much of that feeling if I got pregnant because it's more responsibilities and I would experience him withdraw. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's all valid reasons why he withdrew, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's all his own experiences that are, uh, that validate his choice to withdraw from his own life and, and participating in his life and his marriage. Um, and, and so, you know, I did the hard thing that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to end it. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if we could have stayed together and worked it out. I didn't want to end it, but I also didn't feel like I had any other choice at that time because I had mm-hmm. communicated a number of times my feeling of being alone and being unmet and after a few years of having those conversations every you know they they started spread out and they would get more and more necessary to have more often um I was like well I could try it again and see what happens or I could use the feedback that I've the data that I've collected from my experiences and see that this pattern doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon mm-hmm. and the separation has been great because then he finally started to open up about some of the things that were his hurts and his pains that I had no idea were happening for him. And it's been so good to start to see myself outside of my own experience and my hurt and my pain and put myself in his shoes and be like, oh, that sucked for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And wanting to see that more and more and empathize with his experience so that I can do the deep work to to take responsibility, to heal, and to support myself in having the next most epic relationship that I'll be magnetizing, that I am magnetizing, you know? Um, So it's been a wild, beautiful, intense journey that I'm so grateful for. There's been times when I wish I had never, like I just skipped that whole relationship and, and I know that I wouldn't be where I am today without mm-hmm. it. So I'm so grateful. And it's been, it's been hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. One of the things that's coming up though, right now, is I'm curious, are you present to hmm, the biggest gift or a really potent gift inside of the, the realization of like, no, it had to be because it was 
right? So this is the way in which it served me even now more so. A hundred percent. And I just like, thank God on a daily basis that that awareness has come into my life and I can move out of the pain body into the place where I see the divine plan and the magnificence mm. of it. And, and it's really a choice to get out of the ego and the pain body and like my hurt and my pain and I want to be validated and I want you to see what I went through. Um, mm. which is, mm -hmm. So which seductive. Is, mm -hmm. Yeah, which is difficult. And, and so the biggest aha for me, and like before this, I had been so intimate with grief that mm -hmm. I'd really come to know grief as a friend, as an ally that sheds my false identities of self. So when I lose a job, a title, a friend, a family member, a home, I'm not losing that thing. I'm losing the identity of who am I in relationship to that? Who am I with this job, with this home, with this partner, with this, as this person's daughter? Yes. Um, and that's what grief gives me is detaching myself from things, my identity being attached to external things and really come back home to who I know myself to be at the core of who I am, to really remember the essence of my soul and to, to not wrap my identity in these titles, boxes, categories, relationships, and just remember that. And so I have related to and talked about grief in so many ways like that. And I've forgotten in this nine months of this grief that at times, but I always come back to that. And it just brings me into deeper trust. Yes. Ooh, beautiful. You know, before you shared and thank you for, for sharing so beautifully and openly, you said, you know, I really want to honor our relationship and I also want to honor my truth and let's see how this goes. Um, in my experience, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It can be easy to talk shit. Oh like, God. Yeah. No, yeah. Not yeah. know that that's what's happening and catch myself later and be like, oh, I was talking shit. Um, and now I well, that's the seductiveness that we were talking about a moment ago. It's like, it's so easy to point a finger and to blame and to shame when, when really that is an opportunity for us to look at what is here for me to see, not only about myself, but what are the gifts in this wanting to shame and blame? That's what I was seeing come over you as you were sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I've seen for myself that the attempt to do that is really a request from the inner child mm -hmm. to have, have her experience validated and yes. I can want to tell you or your listeners something that's like coming from that place in order to receive that because I'm not getting it from myself. And when I'm giving it to myself on a regular basis, there's no need to do that when I'm relating with other people, tell them things that might make him look bad or, you know, because, because it's really just a desire to have my experience acknowledged and validated. So that's my responsibility. And yes. that to me is such a big piece of stepping into leadership and maturity is like, what, what is mine to do? And that, that doesn't mean I'm alone in that. I can ask for help. I have community. I have resources seen and unseen, but it's mm. the, it's the coming home to myself to remember that at the end of the day, can't nobody get me there but me. It's my choices. Mm -hmm. It's my choices. And every choice is a choice that is going to bring me closer to the remembrance of wholeness and union and or further away into the realm of separation. Yeah, beautifully. You get to choose. You get to choose. Thank you for sharing that. It reminds me of um, I don't know if you've heard Sit Around the Fire with Ram Das over John Hopkins music and the grandfather fire crackling. I listen to it a lot every night almost. And, and it's like when he talks about coming home to the privacy of your own heart and to really cultivating that, that connection with God, mm -hmm. you know, and especially in this time, you know, I think so many people still are hoping and praying that there is some external resource that is going to save humanity and it's like, what's coming up for me? And it's so deep. 
Um, and it's the theme of my year, 2022, is my, my own awakening, not to more information and data around whatever may be going on in the headlines. I'm talking about a deep understanding and truth and awareness and embodiment of who I really am. That's going to be a lifelong journey. But um, this is where I wanted to go in this conversation. And I feel like it really dovetails beautifully because earlier you were talking about these initiations to your holy maturity. And I was like, holy maturity. She just said the term that really snagged my soul when I went to your website. Can we dive into what that means for you with all this beautiful wisdom and hindsight that you now have, having lived almost four decades, been through a lot of grief, an incredibly accomplished leader who I know runs with absolute radical integrity. Um, I can tell it just oozes out of who you are in your writing and in everything you share. And it's why I was magnetized to you and, and I trust Ruby anyway. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the initiations of holy maturity in this time. What does it mean to learn to cultivate a deep inner connection with God? And of course, that's a euphemistic term, but we'll just start there and see where we flow. Yeah, I love reclaiming the word God. It feels so good for me. Mm -hmm. And like whatever mm -hmm. word works for you. Life, I use life death hyphenated a lot um, as one, as one thing. Um, life death? Death. Life death. Like life hyphen death. Like that is one thing, not two separate things. Explain. Um, I'm with you, I think, but I want you to unpack that because that's like, beautiful. Right. So like I say like this life death, right? Like instead of this life, we're, we're living, but we're also dying. And like, we have to learn how to lose things, how to prepare ourselves for what might be our biggest initiation at the end of our life. And if we're not using the little initiations in, you know, it's not like you grow old and you hit a point and then you start dying. It's like, they're happening simultaneously all the time. Like the garden, the compost, like things are growing and being born and, and living and things are dying at the same time. And those things are feeding each other as one symbiotic experience that we have created separate words for that don't really um, express the, the, the fullness of what's happening, the wholeness of what's happening. A flower doesn't grow and that's new life without the death piece. So how could we separate them? So to me, that one thing, life, death is God. It's the creation and destruction, you know, in, in more like Vedic and Hindu cultures, it's those three, the, the, the Brahma, the, the creation, the sustain, the, the interim, the middle and the death, the destruction. Mm -hmm. And to mm -hmm. me, that's just one, that's God. That's one thing happening simultaneously that we're experiencing. So beautifully said, and what it really got me present to is just how often we, well, how programmed we have been to fear death, to even speak oh. the word death, right? What are the two known fears of most humans outside of not being worthy enough or ever being loved? It's like death and taxes. It's kind of like this thing that we have Illness. been, right? Indoctrinated to be afraid of. And it's like, Things are dying all the time. It's in the divine intelligence of the creative process. And when we can get into the flow of that, we're no longer afraid. And that's how I believe we can fully surrender and actually trust to embody all that is here for us. And I loved what you said earlier, the seen and the unseen resources and the truth of who we really are. So these little initiations that are the biggest initiations because the most profound experiences are always the smallest, most subtle nuances, right? And so you talk about the initiations of the holy maturity, life slash death. Let's dive in. So when we, when death is a part of it, like if we live in a death phobic culture and mm -hmm. an aging phobic culture, mm -hmm. then, and we're focused on like youth and aliveness and the fountain of youth. But if it's a whole thing and we're avoiding this part of it, is our life really as full as it could be? Mm -hmm. And so I think with these initiations into our maturity, you look at the hero's journey, you look at every movie, every story that's ever written, our own story that we're telling, that we're creating with our choices, there is aspects of ourself that are need to let's say die, but it's really like be integrated, right? Because that's what's happening in the compost and the soil and like our bodies going back to the earth. Like there's an integration. It's not just an end, 
Mm -hmm. right? It's still part of a new beginning and part of something. So it's being integrated into this, into the fold of life, into the fold of the experience. Mm -hmm. So when we have these aspects of ourselves that maybe, so like I, you know, I said earlier, like I had, a, I was living this party girl life. I was an addict. I was trying to avoid my feelings. Mm -hmm. And, and then I was also being called to grow up and mm -hmm. step into a new time in my life. And I couldn't take those aspects of myself with me. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. They had to die and be mm -hmm. dignified and be grieved. And not like, I hate you, die, go away. But like, I'm, I'm going to read a eulogy at your funeral because I want to honor and dignify you, right? Because if we don't do that, if we miss that and we're rejecting these parts of ourselves, they don't really die we have to come back and do that work again and again. And we're like, what, why is this still here? It's like, because it's not being dignified. It's not being honored. It's not mm. being integrated. It's being rejected. Mm. And that creates more separation. Mm. So for me, that's been such a big part of my journey is to welcome all of these parts, to not be ashamed of them, to not be ashamed. Like, you know, the, the rage and grief that Ruby was talking about. It's like, I am someone who has no problem going there. I have worked in addiction care as a counselor in an inpatient facility for eight years. I go to prisons, like my own journey. Like I think that the beauty of life is in those places that we've rejected and get to go love. Mm -hmm. And like when I go to prisons and I, I meet and, with, and become friends with people in the incarcerated community, watching them forgive themselves because through my non-judgment and mm -hmm. reflection of what I believe to be their forgivability, mm. like going, we have to go into those spaces to look at the pain to reclaim that. But how can we do that without getting lost, without being identified as it? So my whole mm -hmm. thing and my work and my, my clients and my programs is are you identifying as it, it being like this aspect of self that's seeking our attention or are you relating to it or with it? Mm -hmm. So if, if the inner child part of me, like the part of me when I was talking about my relationship was seeking to be acknowledged, validated in my experience, right? So that's just an aspect of myself. And that could be like, I feel abandoned, right? The abandoned one, this is an aspect of myself. And she might express herself in all these ways to try to get understanding and empathy and validation for that experience. And when she's doing that, I'm identified as her. Yes. I'm not relating to her. Yes. And it's like Ram Dass, it's meditation, it's being the observer, it's stepping, it's knowing that we have many aspects to ourselves, and we can step into a higher version to relate because all the healing happens in the relational field. So mm -hmm. if I'm not, if I'm identified as something, I'm not in relationship. Yes. Yes. I'm in a vacuum of my own pain and mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not aware or responsible or thinking about the repercussions of my actions when I'm in there. I'm just solely in the vacuum of my own pain, mm -hmm. needing someone to save me. Mm -hmm. And to initiate ourselves out of that, we step into the one who's relating to. And as we do that, <clears throat> we become what we needed then, now. So as yeah. I step into the one who, say the inner parent, who, who validates, who loves, who, who sits there and empathizes and listens to, to the part of myself that has experienced this pain, as I become that, as I relate to myself from that place, I heal because I'm embodying the qualities that I needed when the pain happened. Mm. Right? So that's the magic there. You don't have to like do a lot of work. You have to embody the thing yes. that the pain needs. And mm. we're so often seeking for the drink, the shopping cart, the person, the partner, the coach, the program that I'm going to invest in the, all the things to be that salve to our wounds mm. instead mm. instead of actually stepping into the to the aspect of ourself who gives us what we need we're seeking for it externally and it comes from our choice right mm. that's the leadership piece it's making a choice 
a conscious choice to choose to embody that and to let go of, it doesn't mean that we don't deserve to be validated by other people in our lives or we're not going to get that because we let it go. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. just means that our liberation is not tied up in someone else being able to give that to us. Oh, beautiful. My freeing myself from pain or, you know, the illusions of separation are Mm -hmm. not going to be tied up in my ex-partner acknowledging what I think he did to create pain in my life, right? Like that's limit, that's putting my freedom on hold, waiting for somebody else to -hmm. step into a version of, of love or expression that might not be authentic or congruent or what they feel like they need to express at this time. They might need boundaries and separation and um, that's, that's authentic, right? That's, that doesn't mean anything about me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm waiting for my parent, my whatever, my boss, my partner, my any anything to acknowledge and validate the system, the government, whatever, other people, a different, a different culture, a different race to validate my experience, I'm putting my liberation on pause waiting for them when I have Ooh. everything within me to set myself oh. free right now by not identifying as the pain, but relating to it. To me, that is that is when you choose that consciously, that is maturity, that is leadership, that is saying yes to an initiation that's bringing you into the next incarnation of your, your holiness, your bigness, your what you came to be. And that's, that's what to me this whole life is about, is mm. do, learning through each experience how to do that better and better, making mm. mistakes along the way, but knowing mm. that another initiation is coming. And if I can be present with the one here and learn and refine and reflect from my mischoices, misalignments, then I can be in more alignment the next time. Oh, there's just so much that I want to share. I mean, I was tearing up, so moved, full body chills. <laughs> I so like went like, all over the place. Oh, oh, I think it was a bit of a spider web. It got woven together. It did. You You spoke circuitously and you came right back to the very heart of the intention of the question being asked, which is what is the initiation of holy maturity. And you just gave us this beautiful potpourri and tapestry that I think can really land and um, on any heart who's willing to receive listening um, for whatever they might be going through, because you offered up so many different things, you know, that might be coming up. And, and, um, and what I got present to, because I know a lot of people are being magnetized to this show because they are just awakened to the system and the corruption and the mind control and the programming. And they're just like, just holding on to maybe certain podcasts or certain Instagram accounts or YouTube channels or whatever to be their sustenance. But what I'm hearing as a paraphrasing and probably poorly so is embody all of what you just experienced, right? You're waking up as profound and brutal and painful as that might've been. Feel it all, right? But don't look for anyone to be like, oh, you're so awake, right? Oh yeah, like you're out of the 3D and And don't rush trying to get anywhere. Be fully where you are, right? And honor with dignity and grace the morning. So for me, last year, nothing was fun or funny. It just was a very intense year. I didn't, I stopped drinking. I lost a bunch of weight. Thank you. I had quit drinking for four years and it was actually really, really easy for me. And then during the pandemic, I picked it up. I let it be my permission slip along with many other people. And that was a bigger permission slip of like, well, everyone's doing it. I work my ass off. I deserve it. It does not serve me at all. And I, I really hope that this is the final time. So we're about almost eight months, nice. but thank you. Thank you for that. I'm, um, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Oh, let's see. 11 years. Ooh. Yeah. See, that is just so beautiful, you know, and, and talk about wanting to feel intensely. Like when you rip the bandaid off and you're not anesthetizing and numbing out first, the alcohol, maybe the social media distractions and the rabbit hole of just the online endlessness of all of that. But then you start to look at like Netflix, Apple TV, this, you know, and so I spent cold turkey on all of it, all of it, cold turkey. And then you start to get really nuanced, right? Like I don't want to be anywhere where there's gossip or where it just doesn't feel clean. I just, I want to be in my sovereignty in any way, but then you hop on the mic. If you're the host of a podcast, that's growing like a wildflower right now. 
And I also want to serve them right where they are. And many of them, I think, could be wanting to rush this experience, uh, this beauty in the unknown, the uncertainty. And while still kind of trying to adapt to the old, but yet knowing that they don't really fit in there. And this, I find, is such a beautiful teaching for that. And if there's anything that you wanted to add um, to what I just shared about knowing where my listeners are yeah. as a, in, in, a, in general. Okay, please. Yeah, the awakening. So been there. And <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that I see for almost everyone I know that has had an awakening process is almost like cult mentality in the sense of wanting to help other people see what you see. Mm. Right? Because you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, this is where it's at. Like, come on over. Like, this is where it's at. And when not everyone is ready and they're still stuck where you just came from not too long ago, all of a sudden there's the separation mm. and there's the judgments for those who might still be asleep for like, whatever that, I'm like, I don't even know if that's the term, right. Right. Say, but whatever. Um, there be mindful of the separation because what true awakeness is, is is the neutrality, is the non-judgment, is the not, is the lack of the illusion of separation. You're, the illusion is separation. The awakeness is, is non-separation, right? And so it can be so easy to be like, oh, I know something other people don't know. And that makes me better, smarter, awake, non-sheeple, like all these things that you could say, right? And that's just, no, 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 we're still stuck in that separation. It's just different jargon. It's just different language, a, a new paradigm of the same thing with, mm -hmm. um, with, with a different tone, right? It's different still 3D, it's still duality, tone. yes, so, yes. And that's like the biggest thing to, and like we eventually along the awakening process, you catch yourself doing that and you're like, oh, oops. And you attempt to unravel that. But when we're in this dense world, the density of this world it's not the spirit realm. It's full of matter. It's full of crap that we create and just matter. It's just like producing more matter, right? And in the, mm -hmm. the spirit realm, it's like the veils are thin. In this dense state, it's hard. It's harder to, we have the moments of awakening. And then because it's so dense, it's hard to, to like stay there. And we get pulled into like these patterns are so ingrained, the conditioning, the programming that is separation, that is separateness is so ingrained, but it's not who we inherently are as nature, as an expression of God, as, mm -hmm. as a living being, you know, born into this world. That's not our inherent blueprint. That is a programming that has been put, that we have adopted. Yes, yes. And been taught to adopt. And unlearning that is like to have compassion for ourselves every time we forget to me is the most important thing. Like to not judge ourselves for going back into the realm of separation, going back into the pain body, going back into the ego, because anytime we're judging others or ourselves, like judgment is the root of all separation. So as soon as we go there, we're missing it because compassion is really the overarching way it's it's the key out it's the way out you know is mm -hmm. to to find compassion and to use those moments of separation simply as a notification simply as like think of misalignment or 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 suffering in the body or the pain body being activated as like one of those little red notifications on your phone mm -hmm. that are just going hey time to reconnect to your mm -hmm. inherent truth They're like you know like mm -hmm your blueprint like who you really are and like it's just a reminder it doesn't need to be a rabbit hole that brings us further and further and as soon as we start awakening and judging others it becomes that rabbit hole and we we forget the point of what we're awakening to yes and it reminds me of so beautifully said thank you um it reminds me of uh something that i saw on your site and that you recently shared on social which was around what you birth 
birds you. And that right there was such a beautiful way of bringing that to life in a tangible yet esoteric because that is this time of ascension. Um, oh man, I know we're, we're beginning to wrap, so I could talk to you forever, Luna. Maybe we'll have I you know, back on the show. So deep and like you and like my listeners, clearly, um, we have an insatiable appetite for depth, the depth of intimacy. And, and that's what we're really helping to co-create and cultivate more in this world. And especially women to women, you know, and, and, and just, yeah, choosing our own destiny, our own new earth frequency. Speaking of, how do you see the time that we're in playing out? I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's part of me that sees the collective awakening, the return to soil regeneration as the as the ground that we all walk on. Um, that that is our shared uh, source of nourishment in this physical realm and and there is like the knowing that it can all end at any moment and being okay with that but also working towards so like I don't know I don't know there's part of me that moves towards the like really being steadfast in my belief of our capacity and like the the belief in the capacity is unwavering yep yep me too the like I can believe in someone's capacity all day long, but our, our choice to step into that, I have no control over. I can just do my part. And, um, and so that's my focus is like supporting me, doing my part and supporting my, my clients and the people in my world to mm -hmm. feel not alone in doing their part. But, you know, I still can't do that for anybody else. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, my intention is to have fun along the way, yeah. to love wholeheartedly along the way, mm -hmm. to, to create a legacy, even if it's forgotten because everything gets destroyed. Like to, to know that like the ripple effects of my soul's work are, are beyond this physical realm yes. and um, to just keep coming back to that remembrance mm -hmm. and to play, to dance, to, to not be so worried about the outcome and to know that how I show up in the moment is going to, is going to reveal the outcome and um, yeah, to find grace along the way. Yeah. Those are the initiations of living moment by moment and really living. That is a true theme in what you just shared. And by the way, thank you for your honesty. Um, I think that's, if I were to project, that's the most honest answer that anyone can probably say right now. If we're fully awake to all of it, um, it's like, I don't know. I have faith, unwavering faith in the capacity of humanity's ability to prevail, but I can't control their actions and their willingness to awaken. And in the meantime, I'm not willing or interested in fighting or separating anymore. I don't know if I get another year or five years or 20 or hundred years, I probably won't get hundred, but on this planet, I do believe in the good of all ultimately, but that's because I have so much unwavering faith in the evolution of the consciousness of humanity. And it may not play out in my lifetime or even in my nieces and nephews lifetime, but I just will hold in my heart what I can see as a possible vision. Yeah. And like, I think for me, it's also the addition of, okay, and say like what I think is my worst case scenario, which is like the, you know, not just like the planet ending, but like AI consciousness and like all these things. And like, you know, basically what's that show on HBO? Um, oh, Sugar. <laughs> Did you say, oh, Sugar? Yeah. <laughs> Westworld, like like that okay. becoming our reality. I was too scared to see it. Okay, it's really intense. Like if you're not, if you're like sensitive to stuff, it's really mm -hmm. like really graphic and intense. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't bother me so much. But um, I love it. 
it's like if that was like the reality that comes to life which is like kind of my um not fear but like what I would not like to see it's like how do I know that there isn't like a greater good and plan in that that I you know I just I don't know I don't know right yeah that's just so beautiful and that is also a beautiful way to dovetail something else that you said which is the give give the past even if it's just a moment ago dignity we don't know this is another beautiful tie-in to not getting seduced by the separation of the awake versus the unawake um how do we know that their journey isn't perfectly unfolding for their souls right agreement their assignment and then that's a beautiful gift for us to expand in our own compassion and understanding and just stay focused on the connection and not get caught up in the content this has been such a beautiful it's a beautiful conversation and feels very devotional to the truth of what is emerging for I believe you and for me and and this uh, fire and soul community and for humanity, really. I have a feeling that my listeners are going to want to uh, connect in a more deeper way. What do you have going on right now that you would like to share that may or may not uh, call to someone listening? Yeah, right now I'm focusing on a program that I've done annually for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this program is happened every year for the last eight years in my business it was one of the first things I birthed and it's truly like my baby that Mm -hmm. I love doing every year and I take an intimate group of about 10-ish women founders entrepreneurs people who are creating people who are bringing their gifts out into the world and help them to have to have scalability to have success while focusing on their embodiment so you mentioned this phrase what you birth births you which is the the really the foundation of that particular program which is okay you're birthing a program a business a multi-income stream you know wealth building operation and what is that ask like in order to meet that goal fully in its highest potential what is that going to require of you? What deaths mm. need to happen with dignity? What embodiments need to be stepped into? So I, it's a strategy-based program with an embodiment focus. So you're getting all the strategy, all the ways to achieve the goals that are customized for your needs. Not like, here's how I did it. Here's the template. Do you know None of that mm. stuff. Customized mm. to who you are, your unique blueprint, and also really focused on the the being, the the journey, the along the way, the experience, because when we're in integrity with who we know we are meant to be in each mm-hmm. step, the results are going to be bigger than our wildest dreams. So that's the program. It's a six month program. It's for people who are really like ready to dive in. And it's my favorite thing that I do. And I'm excited about it. And this year is opening up um, beginning late April, early May. So I'm a uh, I'm thrilled to share that and people can stay in touch with me on Instagram or go to my page and sign up on my newsletter. I send out some weekly love letters um, around all this kind of stuff. And is that program called, is that your Muse Mastermind? Yeah, it's called Muse Mastermind. Yeah, I'm so bad at plugging. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I mean, um, yeah, it it very much. Come on, do the work. Yeah, it speaks to my soul for sure. It sounds incredible. Um, I also love your self-initiation cards um, oh, yeah. from what you share on social media. I pulled media. one today. You did? What did you pull? I pulled one earlier for myself and then I pulled one right before our call. So mm. I pulled two. It's, I trust that which guides me and mm. my life is rooted in self-intimacy. Mm. Oh, and so it is. What did you say in a recent post comment to me? You said, and it is so, it is so, it is so. And I was like, it is so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been such a pleasure connecting with you deeply. Thank you for sharing your whole heart and for bringing your beautiful presence to fire and soul. It's deeply appreciated and I'm so grateful for you. And so I will leave all the ways in which people can connect with you uh, in the show resources. This will come out in plenty of time for anyone who is interested in having a discovery call or applying for the Muse Mastermind. I am not an affiliate, guys. I want you to know that, but I just, I honor really good deep work. And um, so if that calls to you, I know there's enough for everyone. And uh, I think it would be beautiful if that if that's a fit. 
So thank you so much. Any final thoughts or anything that you wish I would have asked you, Luna? No, I am so grateful. This is such a beautiful, emergent conversation that went all the perfect places. And you, I mentioned this to you in an email that Ruby said this, and I totally concur. You're just, you're made for interviews and podcasting. Like you're in your flow. Like it's, you're just so effortlessly good Mm -hmm. at it. And I say effortlessly knowing that like you have practiced and you, (laughs) you're, you have a skill set, but it's just so nice to be with someone who has just this emergent conversation skill set on, on lock the way you do. And I love where we went and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you and with your audience. So thank you. Oh man. I wish that they could see your big, beautiful smile as you're radiating those, those potent words. I appreciate that. And I heart receive. Um, I really didn't think of this podcast as you know, it wasn't what it is now. And now it's the way that I have found my full and true voice. I'm completely embodied. And I think I shared with you, even in the message that this is the only place where I feel fully and completely and wholly aligned. Mm. And, and so now it's going to start to emerge in other places in business. I mean, everything has fallen apart this past year, um, but it's, it's birthing and, um, and it feels really exciting. So thank you for that beautiful reflection. It's been an honor, my friend. I'd love to have you back. So we'll make that happen. Perfect. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.